Aloha, and welcome to the Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe. Hope Chapel exists to grow ordinary people into faithful, productive followers of Jesus Christ, equipping them through Bible teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Today, Pastor Ralph is back with a message that comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 to begin with, and it is simply entitled, I Become. Now, let's join Pastor Ralph. I have a new problem in my life. I found out that Ron Chambers doesn't only do video, he can preach. Uh, that was pretty good, huh? And when you, uh, when you find out you have an asset, now there comes a responsibility. You've got to figure out how to use it. And so it's like, oh my gosh, ever since last night, I'm kind of going, oh, whoa, whoa, you know, what do we do here? But uh, that challenge is really good. I think that God likes it when he moves us out of our comfort zone. We're going to be talking about that today a little bit. We didn't plan this with Ron and I. It's just kind of working out that way. But I think that, that tithing is something we do in our church. Giving is something we sometimes do in our church, but oftentimes do away from our church. We, we give it to somebody else, some other ministry, some homeless person you bump into, some family member who's gone through a crisis. You know, something like that. We just went through a situation. One of the things that we're giving to is the attempt that the men's ministry is doing to package up things for the servicemen that we have that are overseas. And so uh, early in the week, my wife had uh, gone out and, and we decided we we're going to do two boxes. And she got a little spendy on the thing. And I was a little bit surprised at the amount that came in. But it was a good. I, I thought that was great. And the next day I go to work and I get an email kind of a blitz from a friend of mine it's a missionary doing some pretty powerful work around the world and they are in need of some serious money and so they asked for several hundred people they actually put a specific number of people to give several hundred dollars and but they didn't put an address in there and so I wrote back and said I'll give but where do I send the money and I was kind of ticked off you know why do you send the, the plea and then you don't tell us where to send the check and you know, I forwarded the email to my wife, and, you know, she writes the checks. You know, I get to put the money in the offering, but she writes the checks. As I, I got home that night, there's a letter from my daughter and son-in-law, and, and every year for the last several years, they've gone to India, and they do evangelistic outreach from an orphanage down there, and, and they started several churches, and, and that requires several hundred dollars. All You know, it's like in 48 hours, it's like, Whoa. I think that, you get to the place where you feel pretty good when God starts to stretch you because you know that God's going to meet you and he's going to meet you in a different way. And there comes this sense of, of honor, of privilege, of participating in the kingdom of God in a way that you wouldn't normally have done. And you, after time, it, it takes experience. You know, it takes experiencing the coming through power of God in your life. After time, you find that when God puts you in those stretching moments, he, he indeed is getting ready to bless you some more, so he can stretch you some more. And this doesn't just have to do with our money. This has to do with our time. I had several experiences this week where I just my back was against the wall time-wise. There's no way I'm going to get done the things that I have to do and in the time that I have. And then something would break free. You know, I, I would end up giving more time than I thought I had to somebody because something arose. And as I'm giving the time, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm just digging a hole and I'm going to bury myself in it. And then a couple days later, something pops open and I've got more time to get caught up on the thing that I had let go. 
And it's just God's grace in motion. And that's the way that it works. And that fits quite well with the message that we're going to look at today. We're talking about becoming. You know, we talked about believing and, and actually acting out what you believe. We talked about belonging and acting that out. Becoming more engaged with your church and with the people that you're sitting next to. But today we're going to talk about becoming. And as we get into this message, I think it's an appropriate message there's a team of us, there's four of us that work together on the sermons now. We, we get together, usually we know where we're going in the long term. We've kind of figured that out. We get together on Tuesdays and we kind of bat around some ideas. And then one of us will spend either late Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday night, or Wednesday morning writing a message and put it all together structurally and all that. And then we come back into the group and we spend maybe an hour just knocking around coming up with uh, stories of what's going on in the life of our church to fit into the message because we want it to be relevant, but oftentimes steering it and going, no, let's not use those scriptures, let's use these scriptures. And so we had done our deal on Tuesday. Wednesday morning I was praying about the message and I felt like the Lord led me to, I've been reading the book of James just every day, reading the, the whole book of James, just kind of gunning through it. I went out for a walk in the morning, I had my Bible in my uh, little telephone thing and I felt like the Lord saying, read Ephesians. So as I'm reading through Ephesians, I, I hit upon the passage that we're going to read this morning. And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. You know, this kind of really fits with the message that I'm going to share on the weekend. And, and so I just made a note that, you know, to try to include that in the group of scriptures that we would begin to work from as we assembled the message. Well, I, I was working at home that day. In the morning, I went and I did a word study in the New Living Translation of the Bible on the word becoming. Because, you know, the word become. We're becoming something. And I found out that the only place in the whole Bible that the word becoming occurs is in the same passage I had read that morning in Ephesians. And you start to get the hint here, you know. You're trying to take us someplace. And so we end up at this. And it says very simply, now you Gentiles. It's talking, you know, the Christians first were all Jews. And then it started to reach out to the rest of the world. So now all of you are no longer strangers and foreigners to God. You are, number one, citizens, along with, number two, God's holy people. We're citizens of the kingdom of God. We've become a part of God's holy people. The word holy means set apart for God's use. It does not mean ultra-super-righteous. It means God got a plan for your life and he wants to make something good happen because of you. So number one, we're citizens. Number two, we're God's holy people. Number three, we're members of God's family. That's where the church comes in. You start to hang out with people. You grow on people. You start to live life together. You've got some people that have got your back that you can count on. It goes on and says, together we are his house. This is the fourth thing. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. And then verse 21, this is where we're going. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming, there's the word, underline it, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you are also being made a part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. We're becoming the temple of the Lord, which is the dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now last week we looked at a scripture that said, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Most Christians can quote you that scripture, and we talk about that a lot. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives in me. But this scripture takes it a step further and says, 
you are being joined together. It actually means carefully fitted together. To become a dwelling place for God, where God will live by his spirit. In other words, God wants to somehow live in the church. Not when we're gathered together in this room. I mean, certainly he's here. But in the church, as we're being fitted together, our lives are being joined together and fitted together, and we're becoming a structure for which God can live and move and have his being and operate and do what he wants to in the world. And so this thing that we call church is far more than a Sunday morning experience. It's our life as we live it together. You know, we live in a highly individualistic society. You know, I think it goes back to early America and the, and the prairies and the pioneers and all that. You know, and I come from one of those families. My family came out on the Oregon Trail. And I have this thing just sort of built into me about this individualism. And you'll stand if everybody else falls, you still stand. You know, and if everybody goes one way and it's the wrong way, you just keep going the way you're going. You just, you tough it out. And I think that's just permeated our society. But it's like we've kind of overblown that to the point now that everybody's going in a different direction all the time. You just can hardly get any kind of unity in a community. You know, I think if you were one of the people that were fussing for 32 years about the H3 not being built, you ought to have the integrity of your heart to never drive on the thing. <laughs> and I ain't kidding. If I was out there protesting the thing for 30 years, I would never drive on it because I would live out the convictions of my heart. But I see people there against the latest McDonald's and then they go shop there. Or they're against the Target store coming to town, and then they go shop there. They don't want a Walmart in their town. This goes on all over the mainland. Walmart just gets fought like crazy. Yeah, there ought to be a law. You can't shop at Walmart for 20 years if you're out there protesting against it. <laughs> well, you know why? Because we've lost national integrity. I can one day be all against something, and the other day go shop there. It's like there's something wrong with that. There's no root. There's no heart. There's nothing that's 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 got integrity in the person anymore. And so, you know, it, gets, it infects the church. You know, we're doing this, we're doing that, we're doing the other thing. Nobody's coordinated. Nobody's in touch with anybody else. And then it gets into negative attitudes. Everybody's all nasty toward each other. And we're, we have a pretty loving church. That's not what I'm here to preach about today. What I'm here to preach about is that God wants to fit us together. When it says that we are being carefully joined together, another translation says carefully fitted together. I watched a, a thing on the History Channel recently, and it was talking about ancient temples in both Egypt and in Turkey and in Greece. Now they've pretty well figured out, you know, how the Egyptians built those pyramids. They apparently had earthen ramps, and then they would build a system of rollers, and they would roll these big blocks up and get them into place. They're beginning to discover that they had ability to lever things, and that they had mostly made out of wood or bronze, but they had machines that looked a lot like modern machines, including cranes. And they could do some pretty amazing things. But the, the thing that was just a mind-blower to me is they went into these temples on two different continents, and they took a piece of typing paper and they tried to wedge the typing paper between stones in the temple. And the things were so perfectly 
machined, so flat. You know, just think of what a wonder it is that they could build things in the ancient world and they were square and they were vertically square. And what kind of equipment did they have that, that we think we're so smart, but that they were so flat, you couldn't take a piece of paper and wedge it in there at all. I mean, for us to have that kind of technical ability today, you got to go to a machine shop. You don't go to a quarry where they're cutting rock. Pretty amazing. I want you to have that in your mind when you think about God trying to sand you down and fit you together with some other people. I talked to a lady this morning that just went through a, a thing. They've been involved in a ministry and they had looked like a great opportunity. They bought some real estate and then her partner pulled out on her. But they're still friends. And, they, and she, they're going, well, it just wasn't the right thing. We're going to go forward. We're going to stay together. And they're being fitted together. They're being sanded together, bonded together. So what? So God can do whatever the heck it is that he wants to do out there in the future. You know, we're touting this book, 25 Years of Hope Chapel. And it's fun. It's a kick. Most of you are in it, too. The incredible thing is, I think we're just scratching the surface of what God has for this church. I think that three generations from now, when I'm long gone dead... Uh, we're still going to see a lot of life coming into the world because of you guys sitting here today. You agree with that? We're being fitted together into something. Some of you, today's your first day in church, and, and yet I think God has a purpose and a plan to fit you together with some of these other people. And we just move forward, and we see God's grace, and we see where it is that we're going, where God's going to live in his temple on the earth. Well, well I want to tell you a story. i got some stories you know, this business of being fitted together, we have a church that got started about three or four years ago in Kalihi. And they meet on Friday nights, and it started with a bunch of young kids who were in a street gang. And those kids have been transformed. People are getting graduated from high school, getting GEDs, getting married, getting jobs, things that just weren't happening before are happening in their life. And God's doing good and gracious things. It's a church of about 60 people on a normal week. When they pop, they, they pop up to 200. So they're making a dent in the community. A week ago, you know, 10 days ago, Friday night, whenever that was, were attacked by another gang. Because uh, these guys, actually the core of this church, were a gang. And that's all changed now. But they were attacked by a gang. And it got really serious. Some people looked like they were going to get very, very badly injured. One car was just totally destroyed. Uh, the pastor's car had a rock about the size of a fist put through the window pastor said that his wife, and this guy, the pastor is like, like 56 years old, and his wife is out there going to try and go out and reason with these kids. They've got baseball bats and bottles and, and rocks and bricks, and it's getting to be a pretty nasty thing. And he sees her go out and go up to this person to talk, and he just went out and grabbed her and pulled her back, and as he pulled her back, a rock whizzed by her face, bigger than his fist. He said a rock the size of a softball almost hit her in the temple. She could be laying in a hospital today in a coma. He was freaked out. Two other girls were in a, in a situation where they were in very, very grave danger. Police got there. It took about eight minutes from the call. They got there quite quickly. They calmed the thing down. But there's damage to cars. There's, you know, some people were hurt a little bit. It's a kind of a scary thing. The church itself... These young guys, they're starting to rise up with some of those old attitudes. And it's like, because these guys knew them by name and we're starting to call them out. And, and Rack said, if one of them would have gone out, the rest of them would have followed for sure. And I, I would have lost the whole thing. And he goes, this was a really scary thing. 
And so he spent last week really doing some soul searching. God, do you want me down here doing this thing or not? I mean, he's freaking out. He always tells me, I just want to be the pastor of a regular church with, with adult people. And I go, just hang on for 10 years. It'll be fine. <laughs> Probably more like another five. And in the middle of the week, they meet in a public school. He gets an email from a school administrator who just unsolicited says, we need you there. We're so thankful that you're there. You're so important to this community. Please, please, please continue to do what you're doing. Not knowing that he's sitting in his office in his business, because he's a full-time guy that operated a small business, crying tears, freaking out before the Lord. And then this lady writes and says, I've telephoned every church in the neighborhood. They all are aware of you. They're all thankful that you're there. Some of them want you to know that they've been through similar circumstances and it'll get over with in time. And what I want you to know is they're all praying for you. Then he starts to get cascades of phone calls and emails from these other churches that he thought sort of almost looked down on him because of what he's doing is so out of the ordinary. And so he's all pretty pumped up and he goes back in there Friday night. But guess what happens? This lady and her husband, who's in the police department and he's got some authority in the police department, show up and sit there in church on Friday night with these kids, just giving the blessing to it. But he knows now that he's under control. They got it under control. He's got the support of the community that she's rallied. He's got the support of the police department. They're going to get there in less than eight minutes, probably this time, if that guy calls. I mean, it's going to happen in a hurry. Is that good or what? There's another guy in our church that's recently saved who's been a very bad boy in his life. He's a man about my age. He's quite a bit larger than me. He was there, and his attitude, he came just to be the bodyguard. His attitude is, let him show up again. I'll just get the leader and hurt him a little bit, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and, and we don't want that. And he's, he's growing, he's maturing, he's understanding. There's another guy, get to how this all fits together. Last night in church, I told this story. A man comes up to me who comes to our church every Friday night. He's recently come out of prison. He's done as bad a thing as you can imagine in his life. He's done hard time for 18 years. You put it all together and figure out what kind of person he is. I met one of his former neighbors. They were terrified to be sitting in church next to him. He's the sweetest, most calm guy. He just started a new Bible study in his house. He's all excited. God's blessing him. Next week, he's going to graduate from Hinamauka. He's in an outpatient program. God's just doing wonderful things. He said, I come here on Friday night. I love it. I come here on Saturday night. I love it. I'm going to quit coming on Friday nights. I'm going down there with those kids. He's, he's gone down there and given his testimony. And he goes, I'm just going to get out there. Five of us will go in our black Men of Hope t-shirts. And we'll just walk the perimeter of the property. And he goes... We're scary to look at, and that'll probably just solve the problem right there. But if not, we got our cell phones. We'll call the police. And I go, no violence. He goes, no, no, Pastor. We don't want violence. We don't do violence. Wow. Wow. What's happening? God's fitting people together into a dwelling for Him. Where they all fit, and they all need each other, and they all appreciate each other, and they all grow in grace together. And the Spirit of the Lord is free in the midst of those relationships to redeem a community. To redeem a community. Because like last night, Rack told me that what he did was 
He was angry. He was hurt. He was frustrated during the week. He went and he was trying to clean up the broken glass in his car. And he saw the rock laying in the car. And, and, but he was still, he was trying to put masking tape on the glass so he could take it out as a sheet instead of it just shattering all over. And he cut himself. And he goes, the blood dripped on the rock. And he goes, the Lord spoke to me and told me, whoever threw that rock, I shed my blood for that kid. So he took the rock to church Friday night and he held it up in church and he told that story. And he goes, what we're doing tonight is we're praying that those people will be in our church within two months. See, God fitting us together, fitting the events, stretching us out, putting us through things that sometimes we don't understand and they feel overwhelming to us and then bringing someone else alongside of us and fitting us together, joining us together, learning from each other, being blessed by each other and turning into something that we aren't already. Am I making sense? This is pretty strong, huh? You know, every time I've preached it, last night, twice, and this morning, you can sense the Spirit of the Lord just in the room doing something in people's hearts. Have another scripture and then we'll be done. Although I got some stories to go with it. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. I title this part, I am a brick in God's building project. It says, Paul is talking about himself and another man named Apollos who started the church in Corinth. It says, for we are both God's workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. He uses two illustrations. You're the field that's being planted to harvest. And you're God's building. And he says, because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. I like that. This doesn't so much fit the message, but I want to talk about it. Because of God's grace to me, I laid the foundation in your life like an expert builder. What's he saying? God's given me the ability to think and reason and communicate. And I did that to you. And I did it like an expert. One of the things that that really bothers me about Christians is so often we have this sort of false humility. You do something and you do it well and somebody compliments you and you go, oh, it's really nothing. What you're doing is you're running down the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. You're running down the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Did Ron Chambers do a good job up here today? Huh? He was scared out of his mind. He said he was scared last night. He was far more fearful today when he had to look at all your faces because there's more of you here than there were last night. But he did a good job. But if, if we went to Ron and said, you did a good job, what should be the proper response from Ron? Thank you. He should say thank you. He should acknowledge the grace of God in his life allowed him to do something and do it well. And you know what? There's a false humility that I think is satanic that robs you from making progress in the things of the Spirit because every time you do something and you do it well, then you feel sort of spiritually obligated to run it down. And then it becomes a nothing to you. And instead of something building on building and building and building, you just sort of stay put. And so Paul is able to say, I did a good job. I'm glad because of God's grace upon me, I did a good job. But I did a good job. A good job has been done. Well, it goes on and says, Because of God's grace to me, I've laid the foundation like an expert builder. Others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation 
other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. He goes on and says, anyone who builds on that foundation may use pretty much anything, a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, straw. But on judgment day, the fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a great reward. If the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss, but the builder will be saved, like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. What's he saying? We're building on a foundation that is Jesus Christ, a temple in which God is going to dwell. And there's a warning. You better build well. You better use what you have well. You've been listening to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel, Kaneohe. 